Welcome back to the King Bentley Podcast, where every opinion is welcome and every voice can be heard. This week's guest is Dr. Eli Joseph. Now, some of you may know him from his TED Talk about figuring out the success of a team despite looking at the scoreboard, or despite using the scoreboard, I should say, to be the um, the final factor or the end-all, be-all. Others of you may know him from viral Instagram memes with his face all over it, with words written all over the picture saying that, you know, he graduated at 24 years old with his doctoral degree. Black excellence, truly black excellence. Either way, I thank you for coming. I thank you for joining us this week, and I thank you for tuning in in advance. Now, if this is your first time listening to the King Valley Podcast, feel free to scroll through and check the catalog. There's a lot of different content in there. I talk NBA from time to time. The majority of the time, I'm speaking to different creators in the New York City area that I admire and that I respect. Speaking to them about their journey, just about how they view life and You know, different things that get them going, different things that fuel them, that motivate them to pursue their passion and to do the things that they do. So I'm definitely check that out. There's a lot of different content in in my catalog for you guys to to benefit from, to listen to, to accompany you on your ride to work or wherever, wherever you're going or whatever it is. You know, us regular folk, we got to work. So I normally listen to podcasts while I'm on a train on my way to work. So, yeah, other than that, this is a very fun conversation that uh, myself and Dr. Dr. Joseph had um, a very, very inspirational guy. And the reason why I say that is because throughout the interview, there were different times throughout the interview where I found myself inspired by the things that he was telling me. You know, just his overall drive, just his overall focus and his overall commitment to achieving his goals is, is admirable. And most importantly, for somebody like myself who likes to procrastinate a lot, you know, his time management is just it's impeccable. It's just like, yo, what? How, how are you able to, to get all these things done in such a short amount of time? And how are you able to accomplish all of these things while accomplishing other things? Like, how are you able to main, maintain focus? Don't worry about that because you'll learn how he does that in this interview. One quick disclaimer, though. One small disclaimer. There was a little bit of technical difficulties throughout the interview. Now, the majority of the interview was recorded and it came out great. But there's just a little small patches in the interview where his mic was, you know, tweaking a little bit um, on behalf of the studio that we were recording at. I'm sorry, but um, I did my best in post-production, you know, to fix it up, to patch it up. So um, you'll be able to get through that. But I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Share this with all your friends. Like, rate, comment, subscribe. Here it is. Uh, let's welcome Dr. Eli Joseph to the King Melly Podcast, live on the King Melly Podcast. Thank you very much for stopping by to talk to me today. Thank you for having me, Darnell. No doubt, no doubt. But the interesting thing about the study, I think outside of the fact that it talks about it's, it's focused on sports and it's focused on finding out who is most successful despite not having the <clears throat> the higher score at the end of the game, I think it is a bigger is a bigger metaphor to this to this study. And the reason why I say that is because oftentimes we life we look at life, we, people think life is binary, like it's just black or white. But there's a lot more gray area to things. There's a lot more gray area to things, and I think that study speaks to the gray area that people don't don't generally touch on. Yes, I mean when you look at it, by the way, the study that we're, that we're referring, referring to, to right? basically the the success rate, um, whether you know it depends on it doesn't matter on the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say for basketball, you know, obviously the NBA Finals is up, and you know when we look at sports and especially basketball, you look at the, the amount of points scored, right? Right. So you win or you lose depending on the amount of points scored. Points scored, right? But as a fan and as an analyst, do you really focus on the score for real? Like, you know, in terms of um, whether or not you want to, you know, let's say 
for example, Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. We know that he's the, one of the best two-way players in the league, right? Right, right so, now, um, you know, Jordan Esk almost, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and he has the skill sets and, and the tangibles needed for you know for him to be compared to Jordan. That's a fact. Um, so when you look at the amount of the, his total output, right? We we don't use player efficiency ratings. Player PER, right? Yeah, right. PER, right. We also look, you know, use plus minus and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, what if we combine the amount of field goals made, rebounds, assists? Steals, blocks. So you want to do it on on both offense and defense. And defense, right? Right. But then again, if, uh, you want to minimize the error or the mm-hmm. mistakes. So that the teams make fouls, turnovers. You know, and miss shots, miss free, free throws, and things like that. So when you look at when you're looking at that, you want to have a metric, right? And that metric is basically the, su- the success rate that we that we use here. Um, even if you want to transition to other sports, right? Football. Now, football is much more... A lot more X's and O's, a lot yeah. more things going on, but yeah. it, it still stands. Same, same thing with soccer and, and hockey as well. Mm-hmm. Now, hockey and soccer is much more of a simpler, you know, rather than the, the football, which is abstract. Um, you can also look at baseball right. as well. So it, it all it, in terms of the metrics that you need in order for you to understand who's actually succeeding, right. you know, it's the difference between winning and succeeding. And succeeding that's, right. that's basically it. And I did a TED Talk before I even wrote a paper on it. Mm-hmm. And I had to publish the paper. You know, Based on the TED Talk. Exactly. So um, so that's basically how we utilize, how I utilize the success rate in contrast to how much points a person or a team score. So, so, so let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah. How did you initially, like, what sparked your interest in coming up with a study like this in the first place? In terms of, like, my, the, my whole mindset on it, mm-hmm. um, when we're looking at the, the sports, right, my mom actually, and I and I referenced that in the beginning of my TED talk. Right. My mom, she she looks at the sport on a binary. <laughs> Black and white. Right? So it's either you good or you bad. Exactly right. <laughs> so it's either you know you you suck or you you know you don't work. Right. But I keep telling my mom, it's like it's not necessarily like it's 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 basically more to it than just winning or losing. Right. Um. Even and I also listen to the the, the analysts. Right. Oftentimes, you normally hear commentators and analysts say that, okay, a team won, but the score is not indicative of the game. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So I'm like, you know what? In, in terms of looking into that fine print, what does that actually mean? What are they actually telling us? Yeah, exactly. So um, when we're looking at it, and I, and I use basketball because you know, I love basketball. Right, I'm also I'm a huge basketball fan, hence the cover art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so when we're looking at it, it's like, okay, you know what? The scoreboard. The scoreboard it tells you who won, who who won, who lost. But right, what about the rest of the the the, the stats? What about everything else is going on? Exactly, rebounds. Right, you know that uh, in terms of an impact, players like Joakim Noah, who you know obviously he sucks now, but <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it, at a certain point of time he would even in his prime he wasn't scoring a lot of points, but he'll crash and get you 15 rebounds exactly. a game, get you three steals, get the you impact, two blocks. The impact that he had, right? He didn't even have to score. He, he had he had an impact. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at players like that and, and certain teams that don't have to score that much points in order for them to be successful, you you have to. I, I looked at it. I look at it in, in this sense. It's like you know what? There has to be a metric, and that's how I basically cultivated that metric. And before I even do anything, I did a TED talk. So mm-hmm. um, once that TED talk was approved, then it was well acclaimed. I use that. I use, use that, that TED talk to, to back the study. Yeah, exactly. All right, specifically with the when it comes to the study. Now I know the the, the model that you use is called the success the success yeah, model, correct? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And just just trying to make this as simple as possible because not everybody is advanced statistically. Yeah. Or everybody's not. You know, a lot of people are scared when they come to math. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I can't understand math. Yeah. <laughs> so 
to paint the picture for you guys, it's what? It's offense mm-hmm. plus defense, defense divided by the amount of errors. Yes. Right. What what was the thought process behind that? How did you know that, okay, I need to put together the offense and the defensive statistics and divide that by the amount of er- I um, errors? That. I looked at the PR. Um, I think John Hollinger, he did a great job in terms of adding the positive sides and adding the offensive and, and defensive metrics mm-hmm. and subtracting from the negative. But instead of subtracting and adding, it was rather than, you know, adding mm-hmm. all the offensive and defensive metrics or adding the offensive and defensive tangibles and then dividing. Then by all of the errors going all on. Error. It's funny you mentioned PER because initially when advanced analytics, when the revolution of advanced analytics came around, I was against it. Yeah. Because I felt like it was attacking the casual fan. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I'm the casual fan, but it's just like, yo, for anybody that just loves, enjoys, and watches basketball, it, it takes away from the actual skill set of the play sometimes, in my opinion. It's like, okay, you're going to throw this advanced analytic at me, but are you going to watch the game? Are you just going to are you gonna allow your eyes to tell you what's going on, or are you just going to let the numbers dictate everything, even though your eyes are telling you something completely different? Yeah, but here's the thing. You actually need that that advanced metrics because mm-hmm. here's the thing what if you're you're in a train right and there's a game going on you want to see who's winning who's losing you can't necessarily have access this is true there's no service you right you can't necessarily watch what's going on but if you look at the numbers it's like you know what if there's a simple metric that summarizes everything that basically tells you you know what's going on and 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 which team is and and here's the thing when we when i looked at it it's, it's linear right it can be non-linear as well we, we can make it very abstract and I don't want to do that because, you know. <laughs> and, and, you want to complicate it too much. Exactly. Right. So we want to make it as simple as possible. Right. Understand, okay, you know what? This is succeeding. This team is, is not succeeding. But here's the thing. If the team is succeeding, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're winning. Mm-hmm. Right? So your favorite team, and, you, and oftentimes fans also have, you know, they have excuses. We're biases. We have biases. But that's, that's how I feel about PER, though. Just because you may have a high PER doesn't necessarily mean you're being effective because I'll give you a scenario, perfect example. Mm-hmm. Actually, two, two scenarios, mm-hmm. similar around the same thing. Let's say there's, there's times where you miss the whole game and you check the stats and you see somebody had 20 and 10, but they lost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did this guy manage to have 20 and 10 but lose? But then when you run back and you watch the game, you realize that his 20 and 10 came in garbage time. Or 10 of those points came in garbage time, 5 of those rebounds came in garbage time. And even though that 20 and 10 boosted his PR a little bit, it wasn't really effective because it came in a point of the game where it didn't really matter as much and mm-hmm. the talent on the court wasn't up to par. Now, that may be a mishap in terms of PER efficiency rating and, and in terms of the time mm-hmm. in, in which a player came in and, and, and scored and went ham and had 20 and 10, right. especially in garbage time. Um, now, with, with my metric, it's different. We have to look at, you know, the whole game throughout, and it's in time frames, right? So, for example, when you're looking at the third quarter of what happened in game two, mm-hmm. especially with the Warriors, they're, they're known to be a third-quarter third team. team, a third-quarter dominant team, as a fact. Exactly. So when you're looking at the, half, the halftime, when you're looking at those success rates, it's cool. But once you, once you simulate it, let's try simulating the metrics, and you notice, okay, you know what? The success rate for the Warriors, for example, is going from two to three to four <laughs> to five, while the, the, the Raptors is going in the opposite direction. To, right. So you know that. It's like, you know, you know what? Something is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and without even looking at the, 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 the game, you know something is wrong. So some, certain metrics, depending on the metrics that you use, mm-hmm. it can tell you, you know, what's going on at a particular time. And certain metrics can tell you what's going on over a period of time. 
So that's that's basically a difference between you know certain metrics like a PR and a plus. So metric. would you say that your, your, your that your model is is time proof? Like it, it it could tell you it if you use it at any point in the time, it's always effective to let you know who's the more successful team. I would I would say if it was a yes or no question, yes. But obviously there are some exceptions to every rule, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when we look at certain exceptions, like let's say. Uh, a uh, high scoring team, high right. bonus scoring team, um, high octane off offense. Exactly. So when you when you're looking at that uh, that particular team, you, you you're looking at not only the 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 points, the free throws, the threes. Right. Those make a, a huge difference. Now threes are three points. What about rebounds? It counts as one. It counts as one. So when you're looking at certain certain statistical metrics. It, it but wouldn't that throw wouldn't that throw off the the, the, the calculations a little bit? Yes, being exactly. that the threes are weighted a little heavier than points, exactly, and regular re or regular points and rebounds. That is a form of a limitation, mm -hmm. and, and in that in that research project, there's tons of limitations. Right, and I, and I always believe that not every all the metrics are they have error, mm -hmm. right? Not all the metrics are you know, perfect and, and cut and drop. Exactly. So there are some you know loopholes that 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 certain metrics are you know basically accustomed to it and what they when you're looking at like the the metric that i use mm -hmm. in terms of the rebounds the assists the turnovers they are not weighted as much as the two points and the three and points. the three pointers right right same thing with pr all right it's not necessarily let's say a defensive team it, or a defensive player is not necessarily as is weighted as high as a high highly offensive player as well or a highly potent offense so you know there are some mishaps and there are some disadvantages with certain metrics but we we like to tend to we, we look at that and we we acknowledge that as well but we continue to roll with the with that metric as well and see what's best. so 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 what you what you what sounds like what you're telling me is well actually not this season because the next we just i can't even yeah i tried i tried <laughs> I, I, I was two seconds away from trying to make a case for us <laughs> but then the season flashback in my mind is here it's out the question <laughs> but what it does sound like is you're making a case for those for those playoff teams where it's like yo you could have got there but you're not there and you always miss the playoffs and your, your friends they're fans of winning teams and they always cutting your ass because your team never makes it it sounds like you're making a case for those guys exactly Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We're trying to we're trying to bridge the gap. Right. We're trying right? to make everything as fair as possible. Exactly. And when you're looking at certain teams that that barely made the playoffs, or certain teams that did not make the playoffs, mm -hmm. the success rate is necessarily within the benchmark, right? And we also have a benchmark or an average, right? And or a threshold. When we look at certain thresholds, that's basically the that that's the subpar or the the team that barely made it, that couldn't make it, and they possibly couldn't make a difference, mm -hmm. but. They were not there yet, or they were missing one or two key players, or injuries may, may play a role. Right, things, things happen, like you said. For example, injuries would be a sample of a limitation. Exactly, and injuries are not necessarily a part of that metric, mm. right? Um, there are other. Oh, it, I didn't even think. Of, oh, we just, I didn't even think of injuries. So, so I didn't even. I did not think of injuries this whole time. You also have to look at certain things like this: foul trouble. Certain players are in foul, foul trouble, which as means well. you have to get off the court, and now that that that, that exactly. is asymmetric because now you have players are coming off the court who aren't as efficient as others. Okay, efficient so, as others. All right, now let's get, let's let's actually segue to that to that point where we we're we're not even using certain metrics. Mm -hmm. So we talked about injuries, right? right. We talked about foul trouble. Mm -hmm. What about timeouts? What about timeouts? How, how does timeouts change everything? I want to hear that. Timeouts could change some things in terms of strategics. Um, oh, I mean, in terms of strategy. I thought you meant as far as like the metric goes. No, no, no. 
It can't, it can't necessarily, we can't necessarily use that. See, that's, that's a T, now, now that, here's, the, here's the thing, numbers never lie, yeah, yeah, numbers yeah. never lie, but numbers do sometimes. They yes. never lie until they do. Yes. Because numbers always take out the human aspect, they take out the social aspect, like you just said. A team may have the momentum, a timeout is called, that momentum is taken away. Just like that. Those two minutes and 30 seconds off the court just threw off the entire momentum of the game. Exactly. And you also have to look at certain things like, you know, technical fouls mm-hmm. as well. Now, we, we count fouls as well. Right. But the technical foul depends on the team as well, whether it's the coach or the players. If a coach have a technical foul, it's 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 basically a detriment to the team, but mm-hmm. you know, team the players can still play. Well, not always detriment to the team. Sometimes coaches they get can. those technical exactly. fouls to rally the team up. Exactly. But in the, in those those things are show up in the stat sheet though. Exactly. But that's also a strategy that could be used and implemented to make your team more successful. Exactly. Also, um, in terms of strategies, man to man, zone mm-hmm. coverages. In terms of the the last within the last few moments of the game, um, game two in terms of the finals between the Raptors and the Warriors, the Raptors had a zone coverage. Right, they had a box, box and one. one. When was the last time you heard a box? When was the last time you saw a box? Exactly. So when you, when you look at that box and one coverage, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily within the success rate. It can also be a catalyst to to the success rate. But it's not necessarily the catalyst to a success rate because um, we're not necessarily looking at man-to-man zone coverages as well. Um, and you also look at injuries as well. Clay Thompson went out the second half of, of the game. Of the game, right. Well, he probably popped his hammy. Nobody's talking about that, but he definitely popped his hammy. Exactly. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. His, his contribution in the first half far outweighs – his, you know, in terms of his injury, mm-hmm. he had 25 points, I believe. He right. had 25 points in the first half. In the first half alone. So when we're looking at that, like I said, the metrics is, is basically used over time. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at a time frame. We, we're, looking at, we're not necessarily looking at a particular point in time. But over time, things may change as well. That's a fact. I, it's something, something just sparked on me. Do you think that you'll be able to use the same success model to determine how successful a player will be once he enters the league in, in his respective sport? No, you can't because you have to look at parity. You have to look at parity. Mm. You have to look at the, the game of parity here. Things in the sense that, like, parity in the sense that the competition, the level of competition he's playing is not going to be the same on a pro level exactly. as it is on a co- collegiate level. Exactly. Not only that, Makes when, sense. You look, when you're looking at the, the draft, right, for example, we have we have a strong class coming in, in my opinion. You think it's a strong class? Yeah, a strong class. So it's top heavy though. Yeah, it's top heavy, but it, it still can be a strong class. When you're looking at the the, the, the strong the strong class like 2003, mm-hmm. you're looking at top ten players. You're not necessarily looking at the whole entire. You're not looking at sixty players at all at once because when you're looking at Darko Milicic's, right? He, he was drafted within the same class as LeBron. I think James that was he was the second pick. I'm second pick. I'm not wild. Exactly. So when you passed up on Melo, so changed Melo's so, whole career. But here's the thing with Darko, with Darko being drafted as well, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter. We also we review 2003's class as it's one of the best draft classes of all time, exactly. despite Darko being there. So it is top heavy. In, Google's in, blinking on me right yeah, now. That's fine, but it's, it's, but we know it's top heavy. It's top heavy. Same thing with this class as well. I I believe it's it's, it's really a strong class. Well, the reason I said here's here's the difference though, because in 2003 we had for a fact four all stars at the top. We only got about three. We were two and a half. Okay. Two and a half. Zion, mm-hmm. John Morant, mm-hmm. and uh, RJ being the point five. Okay. But here's the thing. Depends on where Cam Reddish, get, you know, where, where, he, where he gets drafted, he may make a, a big impact. Cam you know, I, you bring up a good point because what, 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 what 
the key, I feel like the key when it comes to drafting is drafting by fit. Exactly. Because a player could get drafted to the wrong team and his first five years in the league could be completely garbage and then he gets, he gets picked up by a new team. The fit is better. As a him, it may be a personality fit. It may be a play style fit. The fit is way better and his whole career turns around. So you can make the argument that if he was drafted to the correct team initially, that will raise the entire stock of that overall draft class. Exactly. Not only that, even if they stayed within a, a particular player stayed within the same team, mm-hmm. the star player in that team that he's leaving, he may he may sign somewhere else as well. So when you're looking at uh, you know true, certain, true. Certain, certain scenarios as well, when, you, when you're looking at you know free agency classes, right? Mm-hmm. You know players are, make, are making moves. That player who gets drafted can you know he he can also take off. Right. In terms of his style of play and he become the most improved player of, of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how you get past Kalskiakum. They call him Spicy P as well. Right? <laughs> Spicy P is yeah. a funny ass thing. <laughs> exactly. But here's the thing. Something happened from last year to, to this, this year. And it, it can be a, a myriad of, of, of things as well. He improved in mm-hmm. his game as well, but at the same time, tomorrow the Rosen left. And tomorrow the Rosen left, but Kawhi Leonard came. I was about to say, tomorrow the Rosen left, but a better player came. Exactly. And a better player doesn't mind just the ball to Pascal. Yeah. And a better player forces you to be better just because just his energy. Exactly. Just his energy alone will force you to be better. Exactly. It forces you to play up to his level to a certain extent. Exactly. So certain things may change the, the, the dynamic of the team mm-hmm. and the player as well. So um, when you're looking at the success rate, you can't necessarily tell. You can't use that and within within a, a model and say, you know what, Zion's going to be – you know he's going to be highly successful due to certain. You know we don't know that because of there's a lot more factors, a lot more moving pieces exactly. than because yeah you're right because when it, when it comes to like yeah that that makes sense only because like you said the parity of things from the collegiate level to the pro level the play style the, the play style is different the competition level is different and just overall fit so it would be do you think there's no type of there's no type of way. Let's take the success model okay, out of it. Yeah. You, you yeah. The success yeah. model already proved that, okay, we can find ways to prove that a team is successful without them winning the game. Yeah. Because you can um, you can win a game and lose, mm-hmm. and you can lose a game and win. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys understand what I mean yeah. by that. <laughs> but do you think that you'll be able to create some type of model to determine how good a player will be on the next level by factoring? Let's take out – we got to take out all social factors. Mm-hmm. Just by factoring in how he played on each level. So without comparing how he played from high school and college, but just mm-hmm. looking at the high school competition and saying, okay, he, he succeeded this. He, he succeeded in high school based off how everybody else did. And in college, you could tell that he succeeded based off what everybody else did before him. So is there a way to say, okay, looking at his track record coming from high school and going into college, what are the, what's the probability that he will take the same level of success and it will carry over into the NBA? Okay, this is where it gets abstract. Mm-hmm. We can use a regression model. Right, a regression, model. regression model. Regression model. Okay. Now it can be an it, it can't necessarily be an ordinal regression model because of the fact that we you know there are some factors that we don't know about. Um, we can use a nonlinear model as well. Mm-hmm. Um, most I think most analysts use certain metrics per se. Um, they based off of the past. We can't necessarily tell that you know they, they we can pre- try to predict what's going on true, in the future, true. but we have to look at hot spots, you know, where they, where they perform well in, in, in certain scenarios as well as um, and in terms of shooting, mm-hmm. passing, pick and roll sequences as well. Pick and roll sequences in college is different than... Yeah, pick and roll sequences in the NBA. NBA. Pick and roll is heavy in the NBA. Exactly. Really used in college. E- exactly. You also have to look at man-to-man, right? Certain players from Syracuse played well in the NBA. 
Melo is, is one is one of the one of the players that we that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he Probably played the only well. player that comes to mind, low key. Exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing: they play his own. Mm-hmm. They play his own throughout the, the majority throughout the entire season, right? Exactly. What about man to man? Have they even went man to man? Can right. they even guard? So, so how can you really hold it against Melo for not being able to play man to man when all throughout his college career, or he knows his own? Exactly. So um, we can we can all, we can use different. Not necessarily a, a certain metric like a success rate, mm-hmm. but you can use certain scenarios um, or certain statistics from shooting, you know, whether shooting threes. Um, we can even use combine metrics, mm-hmm. right? Vert, height, reach, um, in terms of the weight. Who who needs to gain more weight moving well, on? Who needs to take off a little more weight? Yeah, exactly, right. things like that. Uh, so we we can we can use certain. Or certain. maybe oh, how about this? Instead of instead of let's change it from saying determining how successful they'll be in the mm-hmm. league to how long their career will be. Okay. Because when you bring up metrics like height, weight, and things of that nature, you can compare that to players in the past who were similar heights and weights mm-hmm. and how they and see how their bodies kept up over the course of their careers and things of that nature. Yeah, we can. But at the same time, we have to look at it in in a different way. For example. Everybody's different. True. We can be the same height and weight, but everyone is everybody, different. Everybody's, everybody's lifestyle different. is different. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Everybody's different. You can Everybody. come in the same height and weight, but if I'm constantly eating burgers all day, you're constantly eating exactly. have a green diet, then you can't expect us to both. Exactly. True. There's so, a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. <laughs> you know? I see, how about this, though? See, when it, I think when it comes to, especially when it comes to determining how successful a player will be in the league, mm-hmm. you probably can't use numbers. But you, you could definitely use the eye test. Going yes. back to my original point, yes. this is why I was originally against advanced analytics because I feel like it just skews the perspective of people when it comes to like just choosing, like making, like just choosing the right basketball. Just when it comes to like basketball fit in general, or just choosing the right type of player, like I feel like those numbers sometimes just skew your judgment. And I feel like, for example, a guy like. Trying to think of a guy like, for example, a guy like Mario Chalmers hit that big shot in Kansas when he was in college, and a guy like, well, Russell's a little different because Russell. Oh, actually, he's a perfect example. A guy like Mario Chalmers was used to be in the big moments all throughout his career, so that by the time he was on the Heat, even though he was a very he was an ancillary piece on that Miami team, he never really shied away in the big moment because he's always been in big moments. You look at a guy like Russell Westbrook, though. Otherwise. In high school, he wasn't really scouted much. At UCLA, he wasn't in that many big moments. So now when he's in OKC, you can see that his decision-making isn't necessarily always there in those big moments. So that's why I feel like if you just – if some people – not you, of course, because Mm -hmm. actually I like the success model. It actually makes sense to me because – I already explained that why. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, like, determining how good a play would be in the league, I I just feel like those numbers sometimes skew it. And the eye test – eye test never fails. Yeah, the eye test is also – I can't say never, but it really fails. The eye test makes you – think of it depends that you know dependency is also a, a key role right the eye test can say you know what it depends on the the coach that comes in mm-hmm. um the play the play the playmakers the players that are that are coming in mm-hmm. um the training camp so the eye test make you think you know what he may he or he in terms of uh, a prospect coming into the league he may or may not succeed based off of certain you know, variables or certain parameters that may come into play. Oh, things that are out of his control. Right? Yeah, so, so you say, okay, well, it depends on what, what they run or it depends on if you want to play the three or the two mm-hmm. or, or the three or the four. So, you know, that's where you're looking at the eye test. Um, but going back to that point, with Westbrook, he, he's a great player, right? Mm-hmm. And he was, ne- he was never really scouted right. coming out of high school. But here's the thing. I think he made it, he made it to the Final Four. He did? Yeah, with Kevin Love. Now, here's the thing. Kevin Love is different from Kevin Durant. Right. I test means meaning, you know what? 
Kevin Love, he can spot up shoot, he can post up. Where where you have an all around player like Kevin Durant, it's different. So you're looking at the eye test. When you look, when you look at when you use the eye test, it's like okay, you know what? It really depends on the player, the style, um, you know, the diet, mm-hmm. the amount of games that are, that are played, the scenarios that that he he's he's putting in himself in, or it, it really depends on you know. What See, the crazy on. thing is that the numbers will tell you, oh. Uh, Kevin Durant is a great scorer. Russell Russell was a great player. Just paid them together. But the eye test will tell you, uh, Kevin Love rather plays off the ball. Kevin Love doesn't mind not having the ball in his exactly. hand. So maybe Russell and Kevin would be a better fit. Although the numbers are telling you, yo, put these two together because they score better or because they have um, higher numbers than everybody else does. Exactly. So when you, you also you also touch a point where um, we have super teams now, right? right? Super teams they may or may not work, right? When we when we first looked at super teams. In within the last twenty years, you're looking at the Boston Celtics mm-hmm. um, in the 2000s, the mid to late 2000s, where they had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin, and Kevin, Garnett. Kevin Garnett. Right, that worked out. It did. It, it, it did. worked out perfectly right away too. Yeah, it, and it worked out for a myriad of reasons. When you're looking at various reasons, like okay, you know what, eye test. At first, when you when you probably heard of the the news, you may think, okay, you know what, they they're solid players, but they're not necessarily. They're not going to fit together. Exactly. Um, in terms of the magnitude of that news compared to the magnitude of Kevin Gar- Kevin Durant and Demarcus Cousins joining the Warriors, <laughs> it's different, right? right. Even if you want to, even if you want to, you know, basically compare the Celtics team and the Miami Heat mm-hmm. in 2010 with Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh, it's different. You have a different feel. You know, instant, you know, instantly, LeBron. Change the whole dynamic of right. the heat. You know for a fact LeBron's gonna come there. He's gonna figure. So they're gonna figure it out. Exactly. So when you're looking at the eye test, it's like, gee, like, you know, LeBron can't. LeBron coming in, it's a problem. Whereas when you look at Ray Allen, you have Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and KG. It's like, oh, okay, they're, they're solid. <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're solid. But right. yeah, you know, we, we, we it, but we also look at the Lakers as well. The mm-hmm. Lakers were at the time they were competing as well. Yeah, the Lakers, Spurs—they were known to compete. The, the, um, the Mavericks were always competing Mavericks. as well. The Suns were good teams too, but they just never, never won. Exactly. Um, it's funny because the year before KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen teamed up together, mm-hmm. the Spurs won. Right in 07. seven, they swept. They swept the Cavs. Swept the Cavs. So I think it, it probably didn't. That news probably didn't bother the Spurs. So it really all depends on you know <laughs> the players. The scenario. Right. What's the what's the Spurs factor? Now all of a sudden, like, why everybody want to team up to beat us? But yeah, it's exactly. just like, oh, I gotta do what I gotta do. Exactly. And it's funny because um, I was I, we were much younger around that time, but a lot of people, a lot of older folk around that time, they'll tell you that when the news first broke that KG and Ray Allen were going to the Celtics, a lot of people didn't think it was gonna work right away. And ironically, in 2010, when LeBron, D Wade, and Chris Bosh teamed up, a lot of people were like, yo, it's gonna work right away. But as you can see, um, there's a lot more dynamics into that and. The heat didn't really work right away. Nope. However, the Celtics worked right away. That's exactly. probably only that's probably one of the only times where a super team came together and it worked right away. Exactly. And it's funny because um the Heat, what happened when they first team up, they lost to the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Mavericks that were that had only one superstar. One superstar. Right. So it like I said, it's and what the Mavericks did, they they literally ran zone in certain 
scenarios. To force LeBron to shoot. Exactly. I remember that. Yeah, they force, force LeBron, LeBron to actually to be a think and make plays, right? right? Whereas <laughs> Instead of being instinctive. <laughs> he was ducking on Cass, you know, in the previous round. Now he can't even he can't even think right. That's a fact. Exactly. So, you know, when when you're looking at like let's say certain teams and certain mm-hmm. dynamics and how they play, they play well because you know what, they're not necessarily gonna dunk the Mavs were not dunking on anyone, yeah. right? They don't. The only athletic person that they had on that team was Sean Marion, in my opinion. And I think no, nah, Deshaun Stevenson not that much bad. He wasn't that much bad. I think Sean Marion. I think if, if Sean, I think Sean Marion was on that team. He was, was. He was. He was. He was. Yeah, Sean Marion. And that was an older Sean Marion too. Exactly. Right. That's not. No. Nah, well, they had Sun. Tyson. They had Tyson Chandler Tyson, on that team oh, yeah, too. Tyson, they had okay. Tyson on that team. But Dirk, the, the ball ran through Dirk. Mm-hmm. And he, Dirk ain't is no athlete. <laughs> Dirk is no athlete. Carrying the jump two two inches off the ground. That's a so, fact. You know how can a player like Dirk? Be successful and, and and within his system against the Heat, you know, and it was, it was a bunch of high flyers: LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. They, I think, the Mavs figured it out mm-hmm. before the Heat did. And obviously, after the Heat, you know, after the Heat took that loss, they eventually won against the Thunder. So right, and in basketball, a lot to, uh, it has a lot to do with organization as well too, as far as the overall structure of the franchise. And and then that, that kind of transitioned me to my next point. I think the success model could be um, you could use a success model for so many other things outside of, outside of sports. Yeah. Specifically, when it comes to um, when it comes to analyzing companies, mm-hmm. the reason why I say it is that you may have a company, you may have let's say company A and company B. Mm-hmm. Company A made. Company A had saw fifty million dollars in profit this year. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, company B only saw thirty million. But when you take when you take off the veil and you look under the under the cover of company B, you'll see that the morale in the company approved. Exactly. The employees get along better this year. Mm-hmm. A lot has changed systematically. Meanwhile, in company A, you may not be too happy to go to work every day. You're making a little more money. You don't really like your boss as much, mm-hmm. but hey, the profits are high. So who's really and truly more successful? Exactly, and, and that's when you're looking into the intrinsic values of, of the company mm-hmm. versus extrinsic values. When you're looking at um, the man- managerial mm-hmm. aspect, um, the intangibles, not only is just the numbers, right? We're looking at success rate. Joining joining a, a firm, let's say you have two, two firms, right? right? Firm A and firm B. Mm-hmm. Firm A is highly profitable, but at the same time, the culture is not necessarily up to par as Part, you know, turn to firm B. Firm B has lower profits, right? Lower revenue as well. But you would love to join firm B. Right. It's right? much you, more enjoyable place to exactly. work. Exactly. Which firm would you choose? I'd rather choose firm B. That's a fact. Right? Some people will sacrifice the money for the happiness, though. I'm not one of those people, but yeah, yeah. Some people, and, and it all it all depends on the person as well, and and what you want to do. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I would rather sacrifice the money to be happy right to be just more at peace just to know that every day I can go to work and just you know sit where I want yeah exactly walk around a little bit just feel more free exactly yeah so yeah the success rate doesn't necessarily play play a role within the economic and the finance in the financial world Mm -hmm. and business world as and I use that as well Um, but I use in my paper I use the success rate differently in terms of technical aspects right when you're looking at the stock charts Mm -hmm. and you're looking at the lines going through up and down right? right I use it as that. That's, that's technical analysis. Yeah, technical. I, I prefer fundamental a little bit, but yeah, technical works. I, I, yeah, I, I wanted to transition to towards the managerial, mm-hmm. the intangibles, right? And I think Peter Drucker, who is a a, he's highly renowned right, in terms of the business world, and I use and I basically use his metrics as well in terms of um, the X and Y model, mm-hmm. right? The X meaning the you don't want to go there, you don't you, you don't like the culture, and the Y model where you're you're happy to be within the company and and I, I would rather 
use the success the success rate in that metric and and that aspect as well. That's fair. Have you have you ever thought about using a success model or using or, or coming up with any type of model mm-hmm. to determine if an investment will be good or bad? Yes. Yes. Um, oh, I, might, and, I might need that one. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I it's funny because uh, let's transition. I, I like to. I'm going to answer that question mm-hmm. by transitioning to my my dissertation that I wrote. Let's do that. So, I wrote my dissertation entitled "The Examination of Weather Patterns, Investor Sentiment, and Stock Returns." Right. <laughs> yeah, I see. This. So, here's <laughs> what I like to hear. So here's the thing. Um, you have weather patterns, mm-hmm. right? Rain, sun, you know, wind, all the types of temperature patterns as right. well, whether it's snowing, whether it's raining, whether Especially it's Especially in a place like New York City. Exactly. So the, New York City is, is very, very diverse in terms of weather, mm-hmm. right? Um, you also have to look into the investor sentiment. How do you feel as a professional? Do you want to go to work? Do you want to, you know, whether you want to work on a rainy day? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to work regardless of the weather? Do you want to, in term, and, and you also look at the stock returns. How do you think your how do you think your portfolio will perform depending on the weather <laughs> depending on the the your 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 overall behavior right and not to mention that humans are very, we're very emotional beings exactly. so any given day we could wake up and just feel completely it's, different exactly so there may be some form of a success rate that can necessarily tell you okay you know what in this given day, today is going to be a good day. We're going to make some money today. <laughs> That's the and if if you can and if we can, especially me, if I can write a paper that can tell you, you know, you you may be successful, given the fact that it's going to be a sunny day, mm-hmm. right? You feel good. You're not sick. Um, and on top of that, your your environment at work can you know necessarily be a form of a high a positive correlation towards your stock portfolio. Right. But in reality, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really guess you can't that even, stuff. You can't really <laughs> guess that stuff. <laughs> you can't even in reality when you look at theory, mm-hmm. it, it makes perfect sense, right? right? Especially if you have a model that that can tell you you will make money mm-hmm. depending on the, the weather of the day, um, depending on where you're located within the region. And it depends on you know whether you feel good about you know working today or or not. Um, in terms of a metric, you can't necessarily. In you theory, can't. you can you can have it, but in practice, you you can't. But but you you can't. But I, I can make the case for it because it's like think about, I think about it like this, right? <laughs> as far as weather, let's let's focus on weather, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can make the case that okay, if um, you can make the case that if the majority of investors in a certain location are experiencing. Inclement weather, mm-hmm. they're more likely to be more emotional and say, "Yo, I don't feel like I'm, I'm gonna sell this today." They, they're more they're more likely to feel antsy oh, and agitated yes. throughout that day, mm-hmm. and they're more likely to sell their shares, and yeah. the, the stock price is more likely to fall. Whereas in a climate where it's sunny all the time, those people are probably a lot more patient and easygoing, which which means now they're they're probably in it for the long run with those mm-hmm. stocks. They're not looking to sell them as often as somebody else in a more volatile weather condition. But here's the thing, it's, it's funny, but it's funny that you point that out, right? That is basically the, in, in terms of what you point out, you point out the the simple, the simple connotations, right? Mm-hmm. Which is basically, right? If it's a good day, you know that you'll you necessarily you know feel good, feel feel good. good. You'll, you'll buy more, right? You know. um, but here's the thing: they, once again, it depends on the climate. Let's say for the West Coast, right? Mm-hmm. In Cali, Cali is constantly nice weather. It, it rarely snows. If 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 it does, it if never. It does, right. yeah, I don't think they ever seen snow yeah, so on, exactly. on Cali. I'm gonna keep it stacked. So here's the thing. In, in in Cali, you know that it's going to be 
a a mild, you know, warm day mm-hmm. outside all throughout the year, right? But here's the thing. In my study, right, the, and by the way, I use NOAA. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, I use right. that. That's I use, I use that. NOAA, right? So I use NOAA to understand the weather patterns and different variables, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I use, obviously, the stock market, NASDAQ, Dow Jones, S&P, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny because in the West Coast, it was a positive correlation between rain and more colder weather than the stock market. It was more of a correlation between rain and cold yes. weather so than rain th- affecting the stock market. So if it's if it's if it's in the low fifties and it's raining, right? There is a there is a correlation that your portfolio may perform well. That's crazy, right? That should just bust my head. Yeah. So <laughs> wait. So how, how so, so wait, how? <laughs> intuitively, you, you just intuitively you just said that. When you feel good, it's it's warm outside. You may feel good as right. as an investor. You 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 you're gonna buy some stock and and you feel I like hold on to it. I'm, I'm not going. I'm not. And, I'm not going over and, it. And I'm you keeping think, it. And you think that the portfolio will perform well. Mm-hmm. But in in terms of the, the correlation, there's I mean, none at all. In the West Coast. Oh, but I premium though. Being that it's the West Coast, it's always sunny. It's always warm. Exactly. I'm, I'm tired of that. It's raining. It's much more cool today. Exactly. I'm feeling different. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling better because I'm tired of the sun. Yeah. And now my, my my portfolio is more inclined to improve a little bit because now I have more time to relax and and, and actually figure out which companies I want to invest in. On top of that, you call you call off, right? You call off in terms of your, your day, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to work today, so you call off, right? On top of that, you get paid on the same day that you call off. <laughs> you about to invest. And <laughs> it's raining outside, right? <laughs> so it's raining outside, you call off, you're just chilling at home, you don't have to do anything, right? right. I'm, I'm ready to invest. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at that, that scenario so as factors. well, right? <laughs> <laughs> so many factors. Yeah, so it, it, on top of that, you have to look at the news as well. You mm-hmm. pay attention to the news. And here's the thing, within my within my dissertation, I use, I use you know, from 2000, January 2000, all the way to June 2018. Mm-hmm. What happened between January 2000 and 2018? A lot of stuff A lot happened. of things happened. A lot of things transpired. 9-11, right? You had the tech bubble right. within the early 2000s, right? You also have... The recession in 2008 happened 2008, as well. 2008. That was the housing bubble, yeah. The housing yeah. bubble burst. Apparently, a student loan debt bubble is going to burst soon. Exactly. So, you have, to, you have to look at that as well, right? How can, between 2000 and 2018, right, you have a correlation that within the West Coast, cold, cooler weather, rainy weather... You have you have much more of a higher profit if you were to you know if you were to necessarily buy low and, and sell high using arbitrage. Mm-hmm. How how can how can the S and P and all the indexes be be very you know positively correlated towards the the rainy weather and the cold weather? How can that be you know how can that happen? There's a lot of things that that play a role within that within that realm as well. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: I used two studies, right? That was the, that's the second study. I used a, a survey, right, and I actually had to go out and and, and administer the survey, and it came it came out it, it basically dawned on me that the portfolio that certain investors are using it depend it doesn't matter, right? Some investors are playing the long game, right? So whether it's so so whether it's rainy, sunny, whether it's snowing or whether it's a hurricane, whether it's doomsday outside, it doesn't Don't matter. matter. I ain't even check my stocks today because I'm not checking them until two years. I'm playing now. the long game, right? right? And so, the others are day traders. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at that, certain professionals are not necessarily touching it. Mm-hmm. So you have to also play that, you know, use that role as well. You have to play into that aspect. 
And when you're looking at hurricane and tornadoes, you may think intuitively, you know what? Yeah, I, I may sell off, but most people might buy, right? Most people may just buy more, right? Depending on what's what's going on. So you have to look at you know a lot of scenarios as well. Right, man. Right, most people might say, "Ah, right, yo, the weather's going crazy outside. Shit, the world about to end. Let me buy more now." <laughs> yeah. So that when everybody <laughs> comes, I'm, I'm here to sell. Right? Possible. Yeah. Do, do you really know what affects the stock market? I always want to know that. Like, I, yeah, I could understand. I could understand how you know you use fundamental technical mm-hmm. analysis to determine whether or not it's gonna, you're going to make a good investment. But what exactly forces the stock prices up and forces it down? I'm going to give you an answer that you don't you don't want to necessarily listen. You want to hear information. <laughs> Information and a lack of information mm. affects the stock market. When you say a lack of information, lack of information on the investors end or a lack of information on the company's end? Lack of information on both the market, right? When you're looking at the market, mm. you, you basically, for in terms of definition of market, it's basically a place where people buy and sell things, right? right? So um, when you're looking at the, the stock market, information that you don't know right and obviously you don't know certain informations like let's say the company that you you want to invest in you can care less about let's let's say amazon you necessarily didn't look at the books in amazon you didn't but you, you just didn't know you just know that amazon is a good company right amazon is amazon so amazon, 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 buy. so you may in terms of your information or the lack of information that you have you can still purchase or sell off on, on on a particular stock. Some yeah, just hit me because not that actually works in both. Even that example of Amazon is a good one because it's like for the the lack of information that you have, the the ignorance is bliss. Because being that you can't really see the books to know what's really going on, yeah. being that you're just going off public reception, mm-hmm. everybody's like, yo, it's Amazon, just yeah, buy it. Buy, and yeah. being that everybody's buying it, stock price exactly. is slowly going exactly. up. Exactly. Versus um versus a situation where it's like. Even if you had the information, you probably would still buy it because it's Amazon. Exactly. So, like I said, your your information that you may and when I'm saying information, I'm not talking about insider information. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's illegal. Yeah. But when you're looking at information, you're looking at the financial statements. Yeah, yeah. Balance sheet and stuff. Balance like that. All right, we're on the same page, right? Uh-huh. You, you're looking at. You care less about the numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. Throw the numbers out the way. What, what about what about Amazon? Oh yeah, I I like Amazon because something new came out. Right. Mm-hmm. Alexa is all you know is. Is, is, is the new thing right now. So when you're looking at deep learning, Amazon is ahead of the curve, right? Amazon is competing in a, in a world of its own, mm-hmm. right? Um, Amazon, the Jeff Bezos, you may like his style. You may like his his managerial style. He's the richest, you know, man in the world. Oh, you may not like his style. You may you may you may, you may, you may be focused on the news that says yo Amazon treats all of us like shit. Do not invest in this company. So you so you may you may say that okay, you know what? I'm not gonna buy an Amazon. So your perception and your information. Or the lack of information that you may have within the company basically moves the market. Mm-hmm. Never really thought about it like that. Yep, I, I think I also, and, and I say that because here's the thing: information it it sways you, your way of, of doing of doing everything mm-hmm. basically, or the lack of information. If you knew, like, if I knew of a plan where I can I can get a PhD by the age of 24, mm-hmm. I would do it. Given the fact that let's say I can leverage student loans, I'm not paying much of student loans. How can I how can I leverage student loans, right? And I can get a I, I can end up in an Ivy League school teaching while doing a PhD. Right. And I'm only 24. How can you do that? It's information. <laughs> it, it, so. it's, you know, at the end of the day, I think 
what people don't understand is that life comes down to knowing and not knowing. Exactly. If you don't know, don't know. Just don't know. And at the same time, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. But the people that know are the people that get ahead. Yeah, and, and even if you don't know, it, it can be a good thing. You know, you don't know, it's, it's, fine. Mm-hmm. it's fine. You know, you can just find out. But, if you know, it's better to know what's going on and then, you know, if you can you can basically make a decision based off of your knowledge. If you know what's going on and you have information on what's going on, then, you know, you can you can make a decision based off of that knowledge that you have. If you don't know, you can still take the risk. Most people take the risk based off of the knowledge that they don't know. You take risk based off of the information that you may not have. That's facts. Because if you had the information, you probably wouldn't even have to take that, right? So you, you take that, you know what, I'm going to take the risk. I, I don't know, let's say let's say this podcast, mm-hmm. right? You probably, starting this podcast, you probably did not know anything about you know, what's going on. <laughs> right. I'm just going to take the risk, you know what? Just throw myself in the water and learn how to swim. Exactly. So it, based off of that, now now that you have the information, now you have knowledge, you can, you can do this, you can do that, you can mm-hmm. basically expedite your, optimize your, your, your podcast. On top of that, you can market, right? You can market, dish it out. This this podcast is available on Spotify. This mm-hmm. podcast is available on Apple. Now you can distribute it based on the knowledge you have. I'm pretty sure at first you probably necessarily had that information. You may you may or may not have that information. Not as much as I do time. now. Then you're right. But you just took the risk. Mm-hmm. Do do you think people do you think people because like I said, it's, it's either you know or you don't know. Do you yeah. think people just don't want to know? Do you think people are trying to know and they can't find out, or it's just a situation where it's like, yo, I'm too discouraged to figure this out. What was me? I'm just not gonna make it. I, I'm not even gonna bother to figure it out. It Let depends. Me just go with what I know. It depends. It especially depends. It depends on the sentiment uh, of that person. Um, and and you know, let's say, for example, you don't know. You don't want to know about the stock market, right? You you've heard too many bad things about the stock market, mm-hmm. right? You heard that you know it's a casino and and you it's know gambling. it's gambling, right? And you may lose all your money all at once. There's nobody really knows what's gonna happen. All yeah, that, right. So you're pessimistic from the jump, right? And now, if you ask me, can I necessarily change your change your way of thinking around that based off of certain information? I may not, mm-hmm. because. From the jump, you may say, you know what? That's I, I'm not I'm not getting into that. You may have, you may already have a limiting mindset that's yeah. preventing you from getting into it. Exactly. On top of that, and, and let's say we move on to to certain aspects. Let's say you want to be more social, right? Mm-hmm. If if you don't like me, and I don't like you, right? <laughs> Based off of certain information, right? right. I, we don't like each other. Right. We never met each other at we all, but somebody each- told me something about you. Yeah. Somebody told you something about me, and it's just after this separate clip. Based off that information, I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Right? And let's say, and you're pessimistic at, at even, you know, but here's the thing. Let's say we even, we, we talk, and you're like, I don't know if that bad. Based off that information, right? right? So where that information came from? It, it comes from perception, right? Right. So if, if perception also sways your your, your, your way of because mm-hmm. um, perception, your perception is your reality at the end of the day. Exactly, and it can be a form of information as well. Mm-hmm. So if you if you want to look at it like that's, that, that's certain information, it, and you don't want if you don't want to you know look into certain information, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's your decision to to go about it or you know go about it a different way. But information is is the key here. If you have a certain form of information, and there's a difference between expected information right. and experience information. Talk about that for a second. Expected information and experience information. So you mean to tell me there's people who just expect to wake up and, and have information thrown at them? 
Yeah, and there's experience. Big difference. People who actually jump out there yeah. and try it. And if, if, let's say, we're going back to the same example here. Mm-hmm. You don't like me, I don't like you, right? Right. I expect to hate you. I expect to not like you. Right? But here's the thing. What if I never experienced having a conversation with you? Right. Expected versus experienced. experienced. If, if, and and it's, it's two different things. That, right? It can't be the same. If I expect to to not like you, right, and I have I have an actual experience where we, we don't <laughs> like each other, right? So that's what it that's what it goes here. Exactly, it can't it can't be the same thing. But here's the thing: how can I know if I don't necessarily experience that? Right. Well, here's my rebuttal to that. The thing is, once you have an expectation for something, you're more inclined to be biased and and lean towards that expectation. So here's the thing: if somebody told me right before I came here, yo, Eli's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Eli's an asshole. But at the back, it's, no matter of fact, I'll take it even a step further. Somebody I know and trust says Eli's an asshole. Okay. Now in my mind, I'm like, yo, Eli's an asshole. Okay. Even if you laughing and smiling, I'm like, ah, Eli asshole. Okay. She told me Eli has Eli. Eli got to be an asshole. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: what if we, what if, and, 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 let's say we, we never spoke, mm-hmm. never spoke before, right? That's basically your experience, here. right? Your experience is basically it's secondhand. That's secondary, secondary experience, experience, right? right. Second experience, you, you find out that I'm an asshole, that's fine, right? But here's the thing, what about the first-hand experience? If we, if we never necessarily have a first-hand conversation, you can stay, you know, you can still stick to that same mindset. But you're selling yourself short. Yeah, exactly. Even if, but even if we have that, that same conversation, I may still prove your point. Mm-hmm. I may still prove your point to be true, right? To the point where, okay, you know what, but here's the thing. What if if I'm that person, right? What makes me? What makes you think that I'm that person? It depends on your perception as well. Your definition of asshole is different from mine. Right? <laughs> it's all subjective. No, that's, that's oh, you're right. You're right. You're, if you're getting a second, you can you get a second hand point, right? Mm. Which is which is subjective, right? Super subjective. Subjective, right? And you, let's say you want to hop on the objective side and you're actually trying to have a conversation, right. and I'm still, I still prove your point. That's the, okay. You know what? Expected is equal to experience. Experience, right? To the point where okay, you know what? Yeah, he, yeah, he is. I don't want to talk to him again and and whatnot. And next time I see him, I, it may be some problems here. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> so I, I think we touched on an important thing here. I think all in all, everybody should just destroy their expectations. Just don't even have them. Throw them out the window. What do you think about that? I can't. I can't say that. Why not? I can't say. Because at, you know, at the end of the I day, can't. I'm telling you, 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 I can't really. You can't really say that here. You know why? Because you won't necessarily experience everything. You won't necessarily experience everything. <laughs> That's true. I can't say. I can't say. So here's the thing. Let's it's, say it's, it's God's good. It's God's yeah, good. So, here's the thing. <laughs> so if you want to, you have an expectation, right? Right. You have an expectation, which is fine. You won't necessarily experience everything based off of your expectation. expectation. Right. So you can't necessarily throw all your expectations out the window, because the expectation basically shaped your whole entire reality. Which but but when, I, when I say throw out expectations, I mean like in a more everyday practical sense. And like for example, let's say you're about to start a new job. Mm-hmm. Instead of filling in your mind, yo, it's about to be the best job ever, or it's about to be the worst job ever. Mm-hmm. Instead of even having, instead of creating a picture of what that job is going to be, or let's say you're about to you about to date a new, you about to go on a, a date with a girl mm-hmm. for the first time. Instead of even trying to put in your mind what that girl could be like, just just go open minded. Okay. You want to be unbiased. Unbiased, ah, yeah, unbiased. right, right. Okay, Just yes, go unbiased okay, yes. and open mind. Perfect. Okay, yeah. That now that's that's true. But isn't isn't being unbiased and having no expectations the same thing? 
Uh, no, because when you're looking at biasness, right? Mm-hmm. Your bi- like I said, biasness is also subjective as well, right? Based off your opinions, based off your past experience, you can be biased, right? Your past experience with your ex can shape how you may view other woman. This is true. However, mm-hmm. it, it, you're selling yourself short by doing that, though. Exactly. You're selling yourself yeah, short by doing that, and you're, and you're also being unfair to the new woman that you're about to interact with. That's true. So when, when you say when you say you want to you want to take that unbiasedness and you want to take that expectation out the window, I'm with you on that one. I'm with we, you on we, that we agree one. on something. Yeah, yeah, we agree we, on something. Exactly. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. It's fine. <laughs> That's a fact. Let's, let's, let's talk about let's talk a little bit about your journey. One mm-hmm. thing we definitely do have in common, outside of the fact that we agree on that one thing, is that we both graduated with our bachelors at 20 years old. Okay. After that, you beat me out. You blow me out. <laughs> you beat me out of the block. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about your bachelor's. Where did you get your degree from first? Queens College. Queens bachelor's, College. Yeah, mathematics. Well, it was strictly mathematics. Math. Did you always know you wanted to study mathematics growing up? I was always good at math. Always good at so math. So it was it was a matter of trying to find a numerical, uh, you know, amplitude or a numerical capacity for me to fit my mindset into. So um, when I came in, it's funny because graduating high school in 2012, mm-hmm. I initially wanted to become a pharmacist. I wanted to go into science. I wanted to go into medicine. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I want to become a pharmacist for biased reasons, for a certain expectation. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Where's it? Wait, hold on. Where's your family from? Uh, Haiti. 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 So, so were they forcing you to be, become up no. to go in? Okay, I thought I thought it was a situation uh-uh. like that. I thought it, was, it, was, it was much more of a, okay, you know what? I look, I look at the income, I look at the money. <laughs> biases. Yeah, that type of biases. Bias. Type right, of bias. right. So, um, I initially went in uh, so, you know, I want to I study um, science mm-hmm. to try to become a pharmacist. After two or three you know, classes in chemistry, it didn't work out. Oh, yeah, not yeah. for your boy. Just yeah, kiss that yeah. I said, you know what? When we and, and here's the thing: if it was tough for me to to understand general chemistry one and two, <laughs> going organic into organic chemistry, you wouldn't so even go read that. I said, you know what? Let me just um, focus on mathematics. Mm-hmm. It's funny because before I focused on mathematics, I wanted to study physics. Mm-hmm. Want to get around physics, and that necessarily didn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of relative theory. You know, understanding the the the, the relative theory of, of motion and mm-hmm. theory. You know, I, I didn't necessarily want to get into that. So I said, you know what? Let me just let me just get the basics and let me get the intermediate um, skill sets of mathematics. I said, you know what? Let me just touch on that. Right. But from that point, after taking calculus one, two, three, advanced calculus in, at Queens College, I said, you know, what? how can I apply this stuff? Right. Understanding. Now, now, mind you. He said advanced calculus, one, two, three. Yeah. Like it was nothing. Like yeah. it was water. Yeah. Because it was. It was easy. Exactly. And it, it, it was. It, it was. It came natural. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, you know what? Let me stick with mathematics. Let's stay, let's stay on that topic real mm-hmm. quick. And going back briefly, going back to the success rate, I feel like the report cards in general kind of skew what, kind of skew the way parents view the success of their children. The, way I, the reason why I say that is this. For example, I had a friend recently. She told me she had she has a little brother, and her parents went to his parents' conference, mm-hmm. and um, her mom called the destroyer, and she was basically saying, "Oh my God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, his his reading grades aren't good. His teachers are saying it might be an issue, so on and so forth." Basically, he would have he's had very bad reading numbers, mm-hmm. but his math numbers, his science numbers were out the it was skyrocket, and it's like it's crazy how people would just look at your strengths. Throw it out the window and be like, yo, your weaknesses are so terrible. What are we going to do with you? But it's like, yo, if you just shift your focus, shift that child's focus and just focus on his strengths, we can go so much further. And as you like to use is instead of casting your net to the ocean, just find something to go deep. Just go deep, deep down in one spot of the ocean. You'll get way further. You'll get way further than just trying to cash your net out into the entire ocean. I agree. In fact, I think 
report cards in general is not necessarily the indicator of success mm. at all. Speak right? on it. Yeah, Speak so, on it. Ken. You know, in terms I've been of, preaching. I've been preaching the same. I've been preaching yeah, that since eighth grade. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the indicator of success. It's really not. Um, let's say you get a four point on GPA. Mm-hmm. You're a valedictorian of a class. Because you have no social skills. Yeah, no social skills. On top of that, you don't have no skill sets. Right. You just know how to memorize information. You just understand information. I teach. I'm literally teaching statistics. Mm-hmm. I teach at Queens College. Mm-hmm. I teach at my my own my Queens College and right. Columbia University. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm telling you, the students necessarily that are coming in and, and trying to cram everything in their brain right. to take a, a final exam or an exam and then forget it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it's necessarily it, that doesn't prove that they're it, quote unquote smart. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily uh, indicator of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and in terms of education, we have to look at that. And we have to understand that, you know what, a personal report card is not necessarily indicated that they're going to be successful right. in the future. So what do we mean by that, right? How do we take, how do we take a report card, right, that in, in your case, let's say we're using your example where a student is strong in mathematics mm-hmm. and, and quantitative skills, but not necessarily in qualitative and the comprehensive right. um, aspects. How can we necessarily focus on certain, certain um, skill sets? Let's say technical coding that person can possibly code based right. off of logic that he has or when it comes to numbers and exactly. stuff like that right so and, or and let's say he doesn't necessarily read you know 10 pages of, of Shakespeare and whatnot let's say he doesn't you know, who, who cares who about cares? that he probably cares about the coding aspect he probably cares about the mathematics right aspect. he'll probably build the printer for you to print out your Shakespeare copies I, exactly right. so we, we have to necessarily we don't necessarily have to look at a report card and, and say, you know what, that person is, he's going to be a failure mm-hmm. if, you know, because of the fact that he's not necessarily stronger in this aspect. We just have to focus on the strength. And I, and that's basically what happened with, with me. I focus on strength. I focus on my strength in, in, in mathematics and numbers, mm-hmm. right? And let's say if we want to use that aspect, it's funny because at Queens College, how, how I end up graduating at 20 mm-hmm. I took ten classes in one semester. In one semester, you I took, took ten, ten. How many credits? You took ten 30. classes. They allowed 30. you to take ten classes yeah. in one semester. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, and it's funny because my, ten cl- yeah, big shout out to my my advice at the time, Martin mm-hmm. Braun, Doctor Martin Braun. He 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 gave me the grace and said, you know what, take ten. You classes. can do this. How, how did you do that? I I do it. I did it by time management. At the time, spring two thousand fifteen. That was my my last. Full semester mm-hmm. and I started to take some more classes in the summertime to graduate but in the spring of 2015 um, by the way I, I hated my coaches right you hated your coaches yeah what sport did you play I played basketball my first year mm-hmm. at Queens College 2013 and 14 and then I ran track 2014-15 I was there at Queens College for two years for two years yeah so <laughs> I hated why do you hate the coaches so <laughs> Politics. So say he hated the politics. 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 Politics as usual. They they what they were they were looking at a report card, right? And they were focusing on your weaknesses rather than your strength. Right. Right. And you know, we and as a team, the team will tell you. Mm-hmm. If I if I have my team that, that that participated in the basketball team 2013 and 14, they'll all tell you. Yeah. We 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 didn't necessarily mesh with our coach. And that's a problem. Because it's a chemistry issue. No, now, now your, play, your players don't trust you. Your players don't like you. Success so how do you rate. You, right? How were, were we successful in, in, in that in that season? Of course not. Exactly. And 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 that, and that right there, 
people will probably look at the numbers and try to figure out why you were unsuccessful, but it had nothing to do Still with the numbers, numbers nothing yeah. to do with talent. It was all the chemistry fit. Yeah. Intrinsic, all intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. And, and that necessarily changed and skewed everything else. Um, so what happened in 2013, I, I transitioned to, to, to track and field. Right. I like my coach there. Um, she, she was good. Um, shout out to her, Nicole Van. Um, at the time, she allowed me to run track, have a job on campus, and take 10 classes. At the time, at so the time. on top of the fact that you're now taking thirty credits in one semester, yeah. you also run track and have a job. Yeah, yeah. All right, so everybody, this is the point where you 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 pause it, you go find a notepad, <laughs> and you figure out, you write down. You, he's gonna explain to you exactly how he did this. He's gonna explain to you how to manage your time wisely. Yeah. This is the part where you pause it, go find a notepad, and you figure out, okay, how am I gonna manage my time wisely for the rest of 2019 and going forward? So here's the thing. Um, I knew that. By the way, let's talk about scheduling. Right time management scheduling so you know that you're going to practice about twice twice a day right and that's from mondays to through thursdays through Thursday. fridays you have you have um your, your days where you can you can go ahead and, and do a light day because on saturdays there's track meet right and i'm talking about the second the, the second half of my year my years at, at queen's college i'm not, right. I'm not even talking about the basketball right, let's, let's <laughs> leave the, the first year those yes right? out there yes yeah, yeah, i was going right? we did so, that already so on, in 14 to 15, by the way, in 2014, coming back, we won a championship, a conference championship. Right? Track team. Yeah, track okay. team, right? So um, coming back in 2015, let's focus on 15, spring 15. Um, I ran, I ran, by the way, I'm a sprinter. Mm-hmm. So I was running. 100 meters, 200, 200, 200. I was, I was hurdled as well. Okay. Now, by the way, I'm, I'm naturally good at basketball. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm transitioning to track. To track. And I'm not, my numbers are not necessarily tell you how, how good I am. But I made an impact on, on the team, um, and I have conference awards and, and, and accolades to do so. Right. So here's the day, right? Sunday, I have uh, a class, right? Mm-hmm. Sunday, I have classes, and in Queens College, they allow you to take classes in the weekends as well. So Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, classes. classes. Fridays, no classes. No classes. Right. So um, I know that I have 10 classes, right? I know that I have to fit. I have some, some days I have three classes, Mondays and Wednesdays. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have four classes as well. <laughs> four. So, yeah, so, yeah I, I think it was around, I, don't know, I think it was four classes and four classes or something like that. Right. And I had about one class, I had one class on the weekends, Sundays, three hours, right? Three hours, three hours John. Classic three hour yeah, classes. That was dreadful, right? <laughs> so, so we, I know that coming in, I have 10 classes and I had I had one extra class, which is a varsity credit. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have to worry about that. Right. Because, Participating in track is fine. Somebody gonna take that. Yeah, somebody take care of So that's 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 light. Um, so we have ten classes. By the way, I have seven undergraduate classes and three grad classes. I didn't, I didn't mention that seven undergrad. Yo, the story gets the story yeah. gets mixier and, 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 and every and time. And here's the thing: <laughs> you may think, look, he is lying. He is no. You can. Fact check everything. I'll give you the transcript. I'm about to say, he's he going to put the transcript up here. I, I can give you everything. I can give you unofficial transcript. I, I, I'll give you all. I believe right? you. So um, I have seven seven undergrad and three grads, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out, okay, you know what? Which class I have to focus on? The grad classes, believe it or not, were not necessarily that tough, right? Um, but I had to focus on the advanced calculus. Advanced calculus, I need to focus on that. Um, and they strictly mathematics. I think I had, you know, one or two. I had business law. Something I had to, you know. Business law is calm. I took a business like law class. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think I took business law that same spring 15. Yeah. 
and no, I'm lying. I took it four fourteen. But okay. nonetheless, I was taking five courses spring fifteen, mm-hmm. and I was slacking OD. Yeah. So to hear that she was taking ten courses that same semester, along with a job and track, and I'm taking those myself. It's do or die. It's do or die. Mm-hmm. Right? Because 2015, I'm supposed to graduate. Right. And the reason why I had to take that much amount of classes is because I needed to graduate so I can play. Mm. Right. Because prior to Queens, I transferred from Siena College near Albany. Yeah, I'm familiar with Siena. I had yeah. a friend that went there. Yeah. So I, I transferred. You can't transfer twice and play the next year. So you have to graduate. In order to play. In order to play. <laughs> so I needed to fulfill that objective, right? So you're not about to not play. <laughs> so so I, wanted to, I wanted to play, right? It's funny because I, when I graduated, I, did, I didn't play, mm-hmm. right? So that was all. It was out the window. Yeah. But it's fine. But it was still that was still in your mind as a as a motivating factor. Exactly. So you found things to motivate you. Write that down, guys. You found things to motivate you. Exactly. Reasons to complete the task at hand. Exactly. On top of that, right? So we now now here's the thing. A given day we have classes, four or five classes within a given day. In between classes, I have to run track, right? I have to run. I have to run practices, you know, and and do all that all that extra stuff. Three four hour practices, right? Sometimes I was late, mm-hmm. and the coach knew that. But the coach was she was cool. She was like you got to factor in error every now and then. I knew Tom I knew, has I to overlap. But I know what's going. I know all humans inevitable, right? Just just come in and get the put, work. Get get the work done and stay afterwards and get the work done. Mm-hmm. Right? So and and I also have to you know basically allocate some times in the weekends as well before track you know track meets and whatnot. Things like that, right? So that's that's that. Working, I had to work in the tennis center, and I, I worked within the tennis center in the in the morning. 7 a.m. So I'm waking up early, staying up late. I, I was basically sleeping on like three hours a day. I had to sacrifice that. So not only basically. Three hours. Yeah, three hours. And some days I, I slept well. But oftentimes three, four hours, which is fine. Um, like I said, cer- certain classes I had to, I don't have to put much effort in certain classes. Mm-hmm. So I, those were. Because you already, yeah, you already factored that in. I know for a fact that the majority of my energy is going to advanced calculus. Yeah. Advanced calculus. What else? You also have discrete mathematics. Mm-hmm. You also have game theory, right? Within game theory and, and, and numbers theory as well, a number theory class, you you know, it's it's basically abstract. Mm-hmm. And by the way, big game shot, theory in itself is pretty abstract game, too. Game theory though. as well, and, and ga- the game theory is from an economics, uh, it's basically advanced economics, mm-hmm. right? Understanding game theory and and and, and you understand prisoner prisoner's dilemma. Those, those yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, game theory is, and that basically intrigued me to to perform that metric, right? Mm-hmm. Discuss metric. Um, so, but but on top of that, um, I, I had to focus on Euclidean geometry. Euclidean geometry. Yeah, Euclidean, yeah. That's that's that, that was the grad class. Euclidean geometry, um, numbers theory. You also have advanced calculus. And those are the three grad classes. No. Oh, it was, no. It was discrete mathematics. It was, it was it's cool, but okay. those are the classes I had to I had to drill in on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that a professor who used to teach at, at Princeton, his name is John Conway. He's a mathematician. Mm-hmm. You can Google him. His, he had a Wikipedia page and I'm all that stuff. Big time mathematician. Yeah. Um, so he's he's big time, right? What, what he did, he 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 knew what was going on as well. It's funny because he he was commuting from Princeton as well. He's commuting from Princeton, but he knew what was going on. He said, "You know what? Just put in the effort, and you you can get it done. Get it done." I ended up with an A minus in that course. All right. Yeah. So um, certain classes I had to focus on, other classes I didn't have to focus on. Right. Track. This always track. That was fixed. I had to work. I had, I worked about twenty hours within a week. Right. And and let's say I had seven seven days to do so. Mm-hmm. 
not bad. Two, three hours a day, four hours a day. You, yeah, know, you, you kind of fit that right? in, and that's the time when you're just kind of doing a little homework. Yeah, and reading everything. Exactly. Yeah. Right, so, right. so I you I basically complement and substitute certain certain time frames. Right, while working, I was studying. Right, um, but you know, track is track. But while I was working, I was studying. Some days I had to. I literally didn't have to work because I had to study. You know, <laughs> right. I had to overlap that. So some days I had to allocate time. Time management. Right, and from that point on, I did it for a semester. I knew that. I was gonna. It was gonna last one semester, not a year. Right. Like you knew it was gonna last only about five, six months. I could do that. You blinking this five, six months. Not bad, right? And I knew that at the end of the, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. I graduate. That's it. I don't have to worry about, you know, any additional classes except for the summer classes, which is easy, mm-hmm. easy elective classes I have to take. But that's fine. So that's how I, I basically I, I managed to do so to to to, to graduate with thirty credits mm-hmm. in one semester and, and move on because no because no time was wasted there's no time to waste at that <laughs> point you made sure that every hour was geared towards the goal that you yeah, had in your mind which is graduating yeah it's painful that was painful you know stressful but it's fine well, what did you learn about yourself through that experience uh i uh, I, I learned my motivation uh, my motivation now is rejection mm. So so, what who who, who who were you rejected by, or what who or was it, did the school reject you? Did the teacher reject you? Like, what, what caused that? What, what stem? You know, what caused that? Not only the professor, the professor, some professors were cool. Mm-hmm. Others were, you know, obviously dismissive and shit like that. But assholes, I had to use right. I had to use that as my motivation. That's you. Coaches, was, was there a lot of the, or a professor telling you that yo, what you taking ten classes? You're gonna fail my class. You can't do this. Most most professors didn't know. Didn't know, right? Yeah, only only a a, a good few, you know, the John ones the ones that you trusted, know. right? Yeah, but he, they were cool on that one. Mm-hmm. But the professors that were, you know, they didn't necessarily didn't they, they were, let's say the the the, the correct word I would, I would use for the like let's say uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out a, a word to use to describe some Difficult. professors dismissive dismissive condescending condescending. Yeah, those those you see the you, you see what he's trying yeah, to those are the professors that I I had to use as use, fuel. Yeah, coaches, some coaches, um, especially the basketball on the basketball side, mm-hmm. some coaches they they were on me, um, they rejected me, and they you know they were kind of messy. The track coaches were 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 cool, were great, right? But basketball coaches they you know we had some friction there. I had to use that as motivation. On top of that. On campus, you know, people were talking behind your back and whatnot. People were referring to me as an a-hole. Are people really referring to you as an a-hole really, on campus? I mean, For what, though? <laughs> yeah. I was joking when I said no, that. No, 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 no. Some people, some, people, some people may have they have that, that type of animosity towards me because I, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, he say, she say, you know, people are spreading rumors and, and whatnot. And, and things, that you, things that are out of your control. And here's the thing. I was living on campus, too. So... In a community campus like Queens College, I was living on campus. So I had friction and, and, and I had, you know, type of disagreements with people that were living on campus as well. But I had to use that as motivation. As motivation. Well. I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, necessarily. Get caught up on those things and stuff like that, so right. That's basically what, what I use for motivation. Um, but that's what I learned. I learned that rejection can. Is your motivation. That can literally motivate you. And I used that all throughout my years, you know, graduating at, at Queens College, Brooklyn mm-hmm. College. I only spent one year 
doing my master's degree. You did one year for the master's? Business, I, yeah. I, I did some time in college in high school. Yeah. That's how I was able to graduate early from college because I took those classes while I was in college high school. Now? College now? Or? Nah, college now was another school in our building. I went to Erasmus Hall. Okay. So a school in Erasmus called College Prep, they had college now. Okay. Uh, I went to Star Early College. Mm-hmm. So our school was directly correlated with... Um, with what you call it, with Brooklyn College. Like okay. We were in codes, in pocket, and all that with Brooklyn College. So forget the college now stuff. Our juniors, not even juniors, from freshman year, actually. From freshman year, we were taking college classes okay. at Brooklyn College because we had that relationship with them. See, I didn't, I didn't have that luxury. If I had that luxury, like I said, with the deformation I had. <laughs> Yo, look, look, look at the guy who graduated <laughs> with his doctorate at 24 and talking about if he had that yeah, luxury. If I had that luxury, I would have graduated a long time ago. Um, but yeah, uh, with uh, with that, my, uh, for, for my graduate, mm-hmm. Um, that that I knew coming in. If I had, if I can take thirty credits and I can and I can last and I can survive that, I can easily go through my master's program and my doctorate program. Right. So at Brooklyn College, I did my master's program in nine months in basically a year. So what did you study for for the master's program? Business. Business. Yeah, with a strong focus on business. So let me get something straight. Did you you knew from time that yo I'm going to be a doctor by twenty four? No. Oh, you didn't. No, I didn't know. So was it was it a, a situation where after spring fifteen you say yo, I did all of this in spring fifteen. How far can I go if I just keep going? Yes, yeah, I, I, and I didn't. I I knew that I can I can answer that question in terms of how far I can go, but I didn't. I couldn't answer that question in terms of how fast I can go. Mm. So I'm twenty. I just, I turned twenty one that that summer, right? And it's time for me to 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 get my master's. Got my master's June first. Was was basically the day before my birthday, June second. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm 25. Right now, but well, you, you, birthday was yesterday. Two yeah, days ago. Yeah, yeah, happy exactly. birthday! Happy birthday! Yeah, I didn't know that. Thank you. So June first, I graduated. Mm-hmm. Right, that's my master's degree. And now I'm thinking, you know what? I just turned 22. What's next? My mom's like, you can try to get your doctorate. Try to get your PhD. Right. <laughs> awesome, yo. What if? Yeah. So you know, <laughs> in terms of you can you can go far, mm-hmm. but we didn't we didn't necessarily. Uh, we didn't necessarily estimate how fast we can go, right? So, 22, by the way, is two years earlier than 24. 24, right. So, I, I went, um, applied, NYU, rejected, Rutgers rejected, New School rejected. And so, yeah, this now, this is, nah, nah, so nah, I don't really know whoever <laughs> accepts me, <laughs> yeah. whoever accepts me is going to have to feel the wrath yeah. that NYU and Rutgers put in me. Yeah, exactly. So, now, I got accepted by St. Leo University, mm-hmm. school you never heard never, of. Yeah, I'm about to say, I never heard of it. Yeah. Right. Felician University, a school you never heard of. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Felician is much smaller than, than St. Leo's, and I don't have to go commute to Florida. I'm going to go to um, Felician. Felician University is a small school in New Jersey. And um, I think they just started They just started the program, the doctorate program, the year that I... I that you got there. Yeah. So, Pioneer. Here's the thing. I am number one in my class, right? This, this the the program just started. It just received its accreditation, mm-hmm. IACBE, um, which is a step lower than the the AA um, accreditation. Accreditation, right? Yeah. So when we when, when I'm in I'm in a, a program which is relatively new. I have my advisor, Dr. David Torrey, who who's you know he's he's good, but it's a brand new program. So I literally have the pave away for myself mm-hmm. and for everybody else too and on top of that I'm applying to jobs right Wall Street by the way I, before before I even started the program at 
at Felicia University. Mm-hmm. I worked on Wall Street for six months at a bank. What were you doing? Audit bank? Yeah, more, yeah. I was doing mortgage, mortgage, mortgage loan, accreditation, you know, things like or, that. Originations and whatnot. And I quit, right? Six months, six months out. So this is from January, from January 2016 to May. No, 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 May. Yeah, May. May, June 2016. So quit. Now it's time for me to start uh, my, my, my doctorate program. I'm applying JP Morgan. I sent 600 applications to J.P. Morgan. 600? 600. Yeah. All rejected. Yeah. So you got 600 rejection emails from J.P. Morgan in your email right now? Right now. Beastie. Right now. Yeah, so I, I have all the 600. Yeah, 600. I thought, yo... Prior to me, prior to, prior to me becoming or uh, finding a new job, I thought I well actually I knew I wasn't submitting many job yeah. applications. For me, when it comes to job applications, I think quality over quantity. Okay. So I always I always try to find the exact position I'm looking for instead of trying to shoot as many shots. But six hundred yeah. and they all got denied. It's funny, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I'm for, I'm really really cool with a bunch of managing directors there and, and right. executive directors, recruiters there at JP Morgan, which is fine. JP Morgan's not the only. You know, for, shout out to JP Morgan. Mm. Great but, company, right? And but it's if, not the only big name firm. I don't mind. I don't mind to send another application to JP Morgan, but I I use that as as fuel, rejection. Morgan Stanley, some applications there, rejected. Rejection. Goldman. Goldman. Sachs. I about to say even Goldman Sachs rejected. <laughs> Citibank rejected. Bank of America rejected. Citigroup. Um, Citigroup rejected. Um, even the the the, the lower the, the lower tier banks, in terms of the bulls bracket banks rejected. Credit Suisse rejected. All those all those banks firms rejected. Right, um, in terms of mid tier, Lazard rejected. Right, we, you have um, all all of those banks. Oppenheimer rejected. Even the the boutiques rejected. Right? <laughs> what? Yeah, rejected. What? I got my bachelor's and master's rejected. Internships, um, first year analysts, graduates. Even all, those two? All, all of them rejected. Those, those are all all the all the, oh, all the type the of jobs positions. you were applying for. Right? Okay. Rejected. Fine. I'm cool. As a matter of fact, I need these rejections. I need that. I need that. That's what fuels me, right? And let's say, and that's not only the banks that I was applying to. I was applying everywhere, right? I was applying to consulting groups, right? Consulting firms. Private equity firms, hedge funds, everything. BCG, rejected. McCain, uh, uh, McKinsey, rejected. Bain, rejected. Even Berkshire? Rejected. <laughs> all of all, and it's fine. Right. I'm sending applications while I'm while I'm doing my doctorate too. Mm-hmm. I'm writing papers, writing thirty page papers while I'm while I'm sending my my applications. Right. Rejected. Now let's go into academia, right? Sending my applications to to academia. Mm-hmm. Rejected. Right. So let um let's say I I sent my I, I was lucky I was lucky in academia. That's why I ended up um, teaching at Columbia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent an email. Now I started to do certain, certain, um, you know, different techniques as well. You change, you change the only, technique. Not only, not only, not only. Um, I'm ready to yeah. go. Not only am I sending out online applications. I said, you know what? I'm saying it, it, it's 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 stupid of me to send out applications online, right? Thousands of applications online, and I'm getting rejected. So mm-hmm. it's something that I need to change. Resume, got to change that, right? So I'm um, changing my resume and whatnot. And I say, you know what? I need to find a different approach. LinkedIn. I use my LinkedIn. Yo, link, LinkedIn right? is buckets, bro. So, I'm telling so you, exactly. LinkedIn is wavy. So now, LinkedIn is wavy. Now I, I need to sit here and change my whole perspective. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not getting mad at the rejections. I'm actually getting motivated by them. But you're looking the same, in the mirror. You're looking in the mirror. But at the same time, I say, you know what? I need to change my whole entire perspective. Now I'm sending emails. I may not get, I may not get rejection like that, but... You're getting closer. I can get closer, right? Not only that, the furthest you can say, right? If I send an email to you, the worst thing that can happen, two things that can happen. You can either say no. Well, oh, yes. you just reject. You're not even have to. Oh, reject no, you don't have to. You don't have to read it. Or you, bro, I can scroll reply. through my LinkedIn DMs and you'll see the amount of scenes that I'm. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. The two things that can possibly happen is just you get rejected or you may not even get a reply, which is fine. Um, but I send a I send an email to a chair, the chair at Marymount Manhattan College, mm-hmm. right, which is a small school in New York City. I've heard of it. Got the call. Now I'm like, okay, you know what? Got the call, got, got, the, got the job, right? Now, and I secured it, right? So I'm teaching, and this is the spring of 2017. 17, 2017. Spring 17. All right, boom. 2017, because um, the fall 2016, I just got started with my doctor program. program right? So right. now 2017, I'm teaching right now. Now. Things are. I'm getting. I'm getting some form of. So so this is this this is Eli. This is not Doctor Eli Joseph yet. You have your masters. Yeah. But you're also teaching while pursuing a doctorate. Yeah. Writing papers. You know, this guy just. Yeah. You know, you, you know, <laughs> now I was motivated. Yeah. Now, now I was motivated. This guy knows how to just pile all the pressures. Yeah. So <laughs> I respect now, the OD. But, trust. But you, but you need that experience, right? We, we talk about expect, expected information versus experience information. You mm-hmm. need that. You mm-hmm. need that. So not only do you need that that type of ex, the experience in terms of getting rejected. You need that experience in terms of getting accepted as well, right? So not only, you know, you, you're doing your doctorate program, you're writing papers, right? Tons of papers. Um, you, also have to, you also have to leverage the pressure of publishing as well. You have to publish research papers in order for you to even get to the dissertation phase. Oh, I didn't know that. You have to publish. Is it, is it difficult to get your research paper published, or is it of something that's not guaranteed? It's not guaranteed. I got rejected there, too. <laughs> Yo, I, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I see. I, oh, see. Every time I'm here about a, a doctorate program, it, it always seems as though you take your classes, you do your classes. End of the semester comes, you have a dissertation, and you graduate. No, you have to first off, and 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 there's some there's some stipulations that you may that you may be required to do, like right. in terms of writing papers. You have to. You may have to publish. You may have to attend a symposium, and actually present. Present right. You have to do a conference right. Um, so. My and during the during the full year, I was teaching. I was trying to get that experience because obviously you need in order for you to be a professor, you have to profess. You have to have some experience teaching as well. Makes sense. But in in terms of being a professor, most people don't know. It's not. It goes beyond just teaching. Research. My here's my distribution between research, teaching, and service. Right. Those those are three main characters that you need. The three main parameters. To be a professor, you mean. Professor, right? You you have, in my opinion, this is my opinion and, and my opinion only. Sixty five percent of the work that you do, it involves research, right? Twenty five percent involves about teaching, right? So yeah, twenty five and sixty five. What that give you? It gives you about ninety, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, ninety. Ninety flat. Yeah. Yeah, ninety. Twenty five and sixty five. Yeah, you yeah. got it. The ten percent is service. Services, understanding that you you know, you may have some nonprofit organization that you may be participating in mm-hmm. researching. You know, you may have to do some research involving outside you know, parameters and and third party organization that you may be involved in as well. So that's basically it. So research is is a key component. In order for you to be a professor, so I had to lock I had to lock that in, right? By the way, I'm only 22, 
when I first taught at Marymount Manhattan College, mm-hmm. right? So I'm teaching at Marymount Manhattan College. I'm 22. The students don't know my age, right? Because <laughs> so, the students may be older than me, right? right. There are probably some students that are older than me. So um, I'm teaching, right? Cool with that. First first course I taught at, at college, Marymount Manhattan College, mm-hmm. stats, business stats. So it's, it's, ab- it's abstract. It's tough. We can handle that, though. So we, the first the first semester, we did well. We did well. Had good reviews. Mm-hmm. I returned the next semester, right? That's the fall semester as well. But before the fall semester, I knew that something was something big needed to happen, right? So in terms of 2017, doing research, writing research papers, trying to get that published, getting rejected left and right. High publications <laughs> rejected me. And, is, and this is all, this is your second semester teaching. Also, it was second or third semester uh, doctorate program. Doctor, third semester. Third semester yeah. with so doctorate I mean, program. Second year, my second year of my doctorate program, right? So um, I'm, I'm trying to write this paper. The success rate, yeah, and this this that is this, this is where the, um, the idea sparked, right? Yes, so the idea sparked earlier earlier in 2017-18, right? 2017, I'm sitting here trying to publish papers, not happening. So I said, you know what? I need to try something else, like the job applications. I, I need, I need to, to change my approach. I need to tailor my approach. So I use I use a different form, TED. That's my form, right? So now I applied some applications. And I use a different um, approach in terms of you know pitching out my idea to professors that are that I was cordial with, mm-hmm. and they literally sent out recommendation letters to Syracuse University. That was my my first TED talk, TEDx Syracuse University. Shout out to them, by the way. Right. They got wind of my story. They accepted me. Fine. So now I'm in. I'm doing a conference, right? A conference. Doing a TED talk conference, right? But this, at the, it's crazy because the professor experience. Prepared you for that TED talk. Exactly, exactly. Now public speaking and whatnot. So now I have to prepare my slides, prepare my whole entire theory, mm-hmm. my, you know, and I have to keep it short and sweet. That was that was a different experience, right? On top of that, I was doing Google scholarship programs. I was also, you know, writing papers for Morgan Stanley in, in terms of doing a project. It was a quantitative finance project. I had to write a paper on that. And you're doing this to to validate you being a professor, being a researcher as well. Oh, yeah. I see, I see, yeah. I see, I see. So I'm following. In order for you, in order for you to be a professor, mm-hmm. you got to be a that solid researcher as well. Right. But on, on, that's a culmination of being a total package, a total professor as well, which is cool. Um, so I'm doing all of that. Meanwhile, I have to keep in mind that I need to graduate. I'm trying to get this doctorate. I need to graduate. That's a fact. I'm in my second year. I need, I need to graduate. So I talked to my advisor, Dr. Tory, and he was like, yeah, you're on pace. You're on pace to graduate in 2019. But it, it gets tougher from here, right? You're doing all you're doing all those 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 um you know conference presentations, TED Talks cool, Google Scholarship pro, um, programs cool, Morgan Stanley is on your resume, which is cool. You're teaching here at Marymount Manhattan College. By mm-hmm. the way, I didn't even mention that I started teaching at Queens College the the, the fall semester after, fall semester 2017. I started teaching at Queens. So College. you were also teaching at Queens and Marymount. Yeah, both. Yeah. Hot. Right. So one class, two classes, like not not bad. Oh, yeah. So that's basically all, all in all, the culmination of what goes on in the third, the third year. What happened between the second year and the third year? Harvard Business School. I did a certificate program at Harvard Business School. Mm-hmm. I and I also have a, a story out there at, within within the Harvard Business School online. Mm-hmm. Right, it's an online um, certificate program. I like that in terms of the core 
the core competencies in terms of business um, business analysts. Uh, you have economics and financial accounting, three courses that I, that you take within that certificate program. Right. Right. On top of that, research programs. I have to I have to lock in research papers as well. So um, I have TED Talk is already out. All those um, different things is going on all at once. Third year was was the third year. All all examinations written and all examinations. So everything comes together. All together. So. You have to you have to pass an examination in order for you to even start your your, your dissertation, mm-hmm. right? So done that, and 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 by the way, this you is a pass exam to even yeah, start, start the dissertation. dissertation. Yo, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you have to you have to you have to pass not only the written but the oral. Oral examination meaning Yo, present presentation. Hey, I, hey man, they, they, they ain't just trying to hand out documents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're not just trying to hand well, out documents. Some schools do. Some schools True. hand out. You know, all you gotta do is pay, and <laughs> days later you have to. You know, you have some, some, some you know degree mill Slide schools. Slide a little well, twenty yeah, in, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, in order for you to to to, to grasp all that, you right. have to you have to experience. You know, the research, the teaching side, the, the presenting side as well. Um, but by then, I and obviously I passed. And then moving on, the I think we're moving on to the third the third year. The third year. We're in the third year, year right now. Right. right. So now we moved on to from 2018. No, 2017 to 2018. Mm-hmm. 2018 come around June 2018. I did my Harvard um my Harvard certificate as well. Now it's time for me to write the dissertation. Mm-hmm. Pass everything. Congratulations, you you reached this far. You're the only student to to have reached this far as well. Um, which is cool. Now I have to write this thing. This is the dissertation topic, right? We we talked about the dissertation topic earlier today in this podcast. Right, determining right? whether or not yeah, how, the how weather, the investment. Right. Come into this situation, right? Um, I have to get IRB approval. But before I get IRB approval, I have to I have to cultivate my committee. So what's what's the what's the all right, two things? What is RB approval mm-hmm. and what is the committee consist of? Right. So now the RB approval is short for the Institutional Review Board. The Institutional Review Board is basically a board uh, of of professors and and high class researchers within the institution that basically allows you to conduct research, right, with human subjects, and it it basically takes care of the compliance part of your research project, right. I alluded to earlier that I had two studies within my dissertation, right? I mm-hmm. had to I had to literally um, administer surveys. Mm-hmm. I had to put out surveys. What does that mean? You have to sign. You have to sign waivers, right? Of you have to read waivers. Make sure that you're anonymous. Make sure that your information is is confidential. It's safe and com- right. That's what the IRB basically approved of. They they mm-hmm. approve that. Those they little small sure. details, yeah. right? So and you, you know basically they want to make sure that everything's okay, so you don't have to get you know. Lawsuits and whatnot. Things of that nature, right? So, um, I have to get that approval. But before I get that approval, I have to get my committee together. My committee together consists of three professors: Dr. Turi, David Turi is my advisor; mm-hmm. Dr. Mark Ritzman, who I work with at Columbia. I didn't even mention Columbia. I started Columbia at. <laughs> at I started Columbia within my third year. <laughs> and this, by this time, you're a professor at Columbia. No, uh, in terms of. Being a professor at Columbia, I was a faculty associate. Fact, okay. So you were just you were more so um, a TA kind of thing, or TA type. right, right. So the, so wait, so now you're juggling uh, the 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 faculty associate at mm-hmm. Columbia, professor at Marymount, mm-hmm. professor at Queens College. Adjunct, yeah, 
also pursuing a doctorate. Yes. I hope you've been taking notes on time management. Yeah. All right. So now here's the thing, and and that that was basically while doing the Harvard Business School certificate program. Mm-hmm. Right. And how, and how long was the um, is it, uh, the Harvard Business School program? Uh, I think it was about three, three to five uh, months. Three to five months. Mercy. I think it was about 12, 12 to, yeah, 12 weeks, per se. 12, 12 weeks. So three, three no, to four. Not, three, three to four. four. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So from, yeah, about 12 weeks or so. I think it, it, there are some, from what I, what I completed, it was there are, there are different programs, right, within the core. The core C O R E C O R E meaning the credentials of readiness, right? That's basically the core, because mm-hmm. um, it's a three classes, right? And you have to do those three classes in yeah about a month, two, two months, maybe three months or so. Uh, three months, given the fact that you may pass or fail the exam, right? But all in all, yeah, <laughs> may pass or fail. Yeah. So I started in June. I ended up in I ended in September. Right. Three months, right? So we did that. On top of that, I needed to get IRB approval. Got that because I had two studies to put to put in together. But before I have to get that IRB approval, I need to get my committee. Committee, right? Right. David Turry, Felician, Mark Ritzman, Columbia, mm-hmm. and William O'Krepke from Purdue University. Mm-hmm. Right now, that, now I have to have a valid reason why they're on my committee. Mark Ritzman. Now you have to. Now you, you got to back up why this is the committee. You can't just get. You can't just get three random three people. professors yeah, to be goosey, right? Yeah, so so it was done, right? You have to have a reason why they're on your committee, right? Mark Ritzman. He has twenty over twenty years of experience, right? He used to work at IBM. He's a professor. At, he's a lecturer at at Columbia. Work at, used to work at IBM before that. He used to work at Oracle. So he has a pedigree, mm-hmm. and he has a data science background that I need. He also used to work. With with um, key data points with NOAA, NOAA weather patterns. Weather so he patterns, understands right. my work, right? And he understands you know linear regression models. He understands technical aspects in terms of using R, SPSS. Mm-hmm. These are all statistical um, background statistical software that you need in order for you to basically allocate certain data points, right? right? So and and get information from statistics. William O'Krecky, he understands the human aspects, managerial side of it, right? So you you passing out surveys, right? He understands. He has over twenty years of experience in, in, in managing managing people. Mm-hmm. Purdue University, he has that background, right? So and David Turry, he is my my advisor. So I'm I'm on. I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm That's your valid go. reasons. You guys are committee, right? And now it's time to do this dissertation, good, right? So now um, I have my RB approval. I can I can conduct research. How long did it take me to, to, to complete a 350-page dissertation? Six months. 350 pages. You wrote a book. Book, yeah. You wrote a book. It's published and all, right? It's published through ProQuest as well. And it's been recently published as well. Uh, now, six months it took me to write the whole thing from front to back. I started in June while I was doing my... Um, the my Harvard program. Harvard program. And I also started... At, in August, I started at Columbia. So um, I was doing Columbia and I was doing the, the Harvard program as well. Right, that thing. Six months. I had a, I had a strategy. In order for you to get that thing done. Because my next question was going to be, were you writing like 10 pages a day type of a situation like that? You were writing 10 pages a day and you knew for a fact that if I wrote 10 pages a day for these next couple of months, I knew for a fact that by this day, all 350 would be I done. No, I didn't, I didn't look at pages. I look at sections. Topics. You have five sections within the dissertation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I guess this is 
basically me flex my muscles a little bit in terms of understanding. <laughs> yo, you worked hard, man. Yeah, you can so, flex your muscles, man. So, Trust me, you worked hard for this. You have five different topics or chapters right. within the dissertation. You have chapter one, which is your introduction. Mm-hmm. Chapter two, which is your literature review. Chapter three, which is your methodology and your approach. Mm-hmm. Chapter four, which is your results. And chapter five is your conclusion. You have five. I had, I had, a, I had a plan. I would do chapters two, which is my literature review, and then do chapters one. Why? Because I knew that chapter two was my longest chapter. Knowing that you have to read books and under and research what who research the scholars that have worked on a similar topic That's in the right. past. And you want to approve or disapprove their their right, so theory. knowing that if I knock out once I knock out the longest section, that's gonna motivate me to just keep going. Yeah. And not only that, not, keep, you're going to keep going regardless, but yeah. it's going to make it easier. Easier, right. exactly. Make it easier. Do chapters two, then chapters one. Then revise chapters two, and then move <laughs> on to chapters three. Right. Chapter three is the easiest chapter. Why? It's a method. You're basically explaining what you're Why going you to do. Why you do what you do, and right. What, yeah, and what you're going to do in order for you to contribute to that topic. Mm-hmm. Easy, right? 15 pages. I can knock that thing out. I knock that thing out within a week, right? So that I knew... I can get it done within within five days. Right. But chapters two, I knew it was gonna take me about a, a month to complete. Mm-hmm. Because chapters two was my it was forty pages long, about forty pages long. Um, I had to I had to look into I had a, a total of one hundred and twelve secondary research papers. <laughs> one hundred twelve. Yeah. And you read all one hundred twelve papers, or like was it a skim through type of situation? You don't read. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't read. Right. You don't read. Uh, like, if you're reading 112 papers, but here's the thing: if you're reading 112 papers, you're not gonna necessarily finish on time. Right, right. You are. What you're looking at, you, you understand that all the papers have a similar. Um, they have a similar approach here, right? Five, five chapters or five sections. You have intro, literature review, results, um, and method, method, method results, and, and conclusions. conclusions. Right. You know that. Given you know, given the fact that most of the papers are gonna have that five sections here, right? So what you're looking in, you're looking into the literature review to understand what they what they work on and who they reference mm-hmm. and their results and method. You're not necessarily looking, in, looking at the method, but you're understanding their results. For I example, it. I get it because at the end of the day, well, about at the end of the day, I'm not gonna allow your method to skew mine. Exactly. Right. But however, you can say that your me- the method may motivate you to 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 use a different method. It can motivate you. Or or they can make the case that yo, if you follow my method, you might take some of my ideas and use it in yours. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's that's a given. So some papers I have to I have to use certain methods. I have to look at the service that certain certain prof- certain professors and scholars use as well. And then I say, you know what, I, I need to do this instead. Um I noticed that no one was using NOAA. So that was easy. Mm-hmm. That was low hanging fruit. I got yeah, exactly. That right here in the so, <laughs> and on top of that, I had access to the data as well. So, <laughs> access to the data. Switch. Mark Mark Richmond. Mark Richmond used to work with, with with them as well. Right. He was cool with that. Right. So, so we we understood. Okay, you know what? I can I can designate certain responsibilities to some some committee members to to get some information to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was designating information in, in, towards them so they can so they can serve as an outlet. For me as well, so and and that's using networking, you know. To your advantage, right? So, um, that's what happened here. So, chapters two was the longest, forty pages. Chapters one was it was pretty much easy and simple. Understanding is basically putting out the research purpose, the research questions, the, the limitations within the research, and what you're going to do from here on out. Literature review, 
um, results, the methods, conclusions. That's the intro. Mm -hmm. Easy. Fits in pages, right? But that 40 pages is forty pages is important for chapter two. Chapter three is 15 pages. Survey and also looking at data from NOAA and stock market. Easy. Late. Results. That was going to take me about a month. That was going to take me about a month because I had to get surveys. I had to collect surveys as well. Get that, um, you know, I had to get about, I think I got about 400 surveys. 400. Not bad. My my goal was 250. I achieved that. You see that, right? Right. So that was easy. To collect surveys and then I had to do the analysis and all that. The back end now. 40 pages. I had to spend about a month. Then the conclusion, easy. Conclusion summarizes summarize everything. You're summarizing everything. References, I had to literally get the reference down packed. 11 pages. Because <laughs> that was 112. <laughs> right, that makes sense. <laughs> the 112 different papers you used. Easy. After I'm done with that, I say, you know what? Six months pass by, there's paperwork. Let me know if there's anything I need to change. They got back to me. I have to change everything, you know, change everything, mm -hmm. edit, modify some things, and, and that's it. Now it's defend. You got to defend your work. How do you do? Do you defend it in front of a room of people, or is it defend it? Hmm, how, what was that like? Is it is it people just throwing things at you and, and just and, and picking different parts of your, of your dissertation? Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it, it, here's the thing: when you want to, when you have to defend a, a paper like a dissertation, right, three hundred fifty pages, you have to have the book with you. And the advisor have the book have the book with you as well, but at the same time, here's the thing: when, when you when you're doing a, a, a presentation like that, you want to be concise. You don't want to get into detail, right? Because the more detail you get, not not even running circles around you, <laughs> not even running circles around you. All right. Oh, you did that? How, how did you? Okay. How did? You, oh, really? That that just sparked yeah. something else in my mind. Explain oh, this then, right? Explain, explain what happened to page one twenty six. And it's like. Ah, uh, okay. You know what? Yeah, bait to myself. <laughs> I want to be concise, short to the point, concise. That's, Boom, mm -hmm. that's it. And here's the thing: for those who listen to this and and, and they're doing their dissertation, you have to keep in mind that you have to pressure them to ask you questions mm -hmm. to make it seem as though you're confident right. in your work. So, for example, if I'm sitting here and I have to defend my work, and you have the paper with you, I'm going to I'm going to have a concise statement. I'm going to ask you, is there any questions that you have? Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? After a while, like, After that small ass yeah, statement. <laughs> a, small, a small statement, right? Two, two sentences long. Do you have a question? And they're like, no, we're good. Cool. Let's move on. And and I was I was doing that as well. It came to mind. They didn't really have much questions. My freshman had a few questions as mm -hmm. well. David Turi had as well. But it was, it was concise. Because cause at the end of the day, what it seems like, what we could take away from this entire story is that once you pull up to a situation, survey the scene, come up with a strategy, and stick to that strategy, mm -hmm. you go to. Yeah. And what people don't realize, too, we, we, we can end on this. What people don't realize, too, you also mentioned this going back to the, um, the job application thing. What people don't realize, too, you may have a strategy and it may not be effective right away, but that doesn't necessarily mean your strategy is incorrect. And that goes back to statistics because let's say that your strategy has a 75% chance of being correct. Just because it fails doesn't mean you're 100% wrong. You just fell in that 25% area. So who's to say that oh, maybe you just unlucky this one time and if you keep going, more than, more likely than not, your strategy will work. That's why you can't give up. That's why you can't, you know. That's why you got to be resilient in some way, shape, or form. On top of that, you have to find your purpose as well. That's how you find your purpose. You just have to keep on trying. Keep on trying. You never, you never basically sway away from rejection or not. Mm -hmm. Keep on trying. 
you just basically throw everything and, in and make sure that something sticks. Find your purpose. Move with the purpose angle. And also, also, find, figure out what fuels you, what what drives you. Exactly. Figure out what drives you. And I hope that's basically that's basically the story here. And and in terms of what happened afterwards, of this, you know, after you complete your dissertation defense, you you call a doctor, you have to publish it, you have to edit it. That took about a month for me to do so. Mm -hmm. By the way, I, I defended my dissertation in March. I submitted it in January 2019. Started June 2018. Submitted in January 2019. I defended it in March after editing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Published it in April. Graduated in May. And got the doctor written. And now you Dr. Eli Joseph. Where can they find you? Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Eli Joseph. Mm -hmm. um, D-R period Eli, E-L-I. Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H. Eli. Um, yeah, Dr. Eli Joseph at, on Instagram. Same as Eli Joseph on Facebook mm -hmm. as well. LinkedIn, Eli Joseph. No, well. no. Nah. Dr. Eli Joseph, ladies and gentlemen. 24-year-old Dr. Eli Joseph. Appreciate you having me on the show, bro. Thank you for having me as well. No doubt. You've been listening to the King Belly Podcast. You can follow the King Belly Pod on Instagram and Facebook. You can subscribe to the King Belly Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Your support is greatly appreciated. This beat was produced and engineered by Nigel Pierre Bryant. You can check out more of his records on his production page on Instagram at produced by period and.